Amen. If you have a a copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. Excuse my voice this morning. I feel perfectly fine. I just can't talk. But uh, so hopefully it'll it'll, uh, clear itself up a little bit as we go on. 1 Peter, chapter 1. And yes, we're going to look at the whole chapter, but uh, we're not going to be able to look at all the good stuff. I mean, there's a lot of great things here in the opening of of Peter's letter. Uh, if you've ever been on a tour and you're going through a city, you, you see, oh, can we stop and look at that? And the tour guy says, no, we don't have time. We've got to keep moving on. If we were going through a series of First Peter, we, we would have that time to break it down. But, but what I want us to see this morning is what Peter is, is setting up for this book, this letter that he's writing. He is encouraging his believers to, to see and to know and hold firm to that the gospel will never fail them. You see, that idea is really rooted in, in Peter's nickname that Jesus gave him. Jesus gave him the nickname of Rock, or maybe we would say Rocky. And the Rock is in recognition that the church, like a rock, would never fail. And so Peter also wants the believers that he's writing to for us is wanting to know that the gospel will never, <clears throat> ever fail. Look with me now at 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are exiles, elect exiles, of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ." 
like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news, the gospel that was preached to you. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So Father, this morning I pray, God, that you would speak in and through me. Father, that your strength would be made perfect in my weakness this morning, especially in my voice. God, thank you for the promise that we know that your word will not return void. So Father, would you have this wage in this time? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't know about, about you, but <clears throat> there are a few things in the world that I can truly count on to like not let me down, to never fail me. I mean, you know, vehicles will, will fail you. They'll, they'll leave you strained on the side of the road. Uh, people will fail you. Sports teams will, will fail you. Uh, and other things will fail you. But there are a few things in this life that never fail, it seems, to uh, give me hope. Uh, to comfort me, to put a smile on my face, to, to satisfy me, or just give me just a momentary sense of peace and hope that, hey, things are going to be okay. Uh, thing, things that, that never fail for me, uh, the smell of bacon in the morning, you know, it, it's just hard to have a bad attitude when you're smelling bacon, all right? Drinking uh, a cup of black coffee from my favorite Florida Gators mug in the morning, um, but not on all these on my list are going to be food related, but most of them will be. Um, driving in my truck with the windows down, with my arm resting right there in the sunlight and listening to Alan Jackson, Daddy Let Me Drive, singing every word. And you know, that, that never fails to just comfort me. Um, chips and salsa at Los Amigos after church on Sunday, that never fails. Even if they're not warm, there's not enough salt, it still never fails. It's hard to be upset about free chips and salsa. Um, seeing my kids laugh and just enjoying life, man, that never gets old. That never fails. We all have things we turn to for comfort, uh, to restore hope in our lives. And I don't know what your list looks like. Maybe it's kind of like mine. Uh, but, but here's what I do know. Our, our list, as good as they are, will fail us at some point. Why? Because they will never be able to satisfy us and sustain us. We're, we're always going to need more. But we are to build our lives on the firm foundation of the gospel because the gospel will never, ever fail us. We have all the hope that we need in this life and in this world found in the hope of the gospel and the power of the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, it's the single most important truth that separates Christianity from all other religions in the world. The gospel is the good news that, that we have received. That there is a God, the creator of the entire universe, who by his very breath spoke all things into existence. That same God loved us so much 
that he sent his one and only begotten son to the world to pay our sin debt. You see, sin messed everything up. God, God made a perfect world. It, it was perfect. But we read in Genesis 3 that, that the fall came, that, that man sinned. And sin is just means that we have gone against God's ways. We have messed up. You see, sin is like, it, sin has fractured and broken everything in this world. You know, if, if you and I, if we're stuck in the ditch, we can't help each other get out of the ditch. We need someone who's not stuck in the ditch with us. And that's what the gospel is, that God came to our rescue. He had a plan, a redemption plan. And the gospel says that Jesus came and was our rescuer, our redeemer, and he saved us and he rescued us from the pits that we find ourselves in. And God did what only God can do. We cannot save ourselves. And that is the good news. And in that good news, in that gospel, we see wonderful things, things that will never fail us. And this morning, I think there are five ways that we can see that the gospel will never fail us. And Peter, he is setting up this letter to the believers who are going through hard times, through persecutions. And Peter wants to encourage them with the gospel. He wants them to know that their sufferings are coming and for some already are experiencing them. He wants them to know without a shadow of a doubt that the gospel will not fail you. You can place all of your hope completely in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So let's look now at God's word, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. You know, right, right here in the greeting, these epistle letters, we, we sometimes want to skip over the greetings and just skip to the good stuff. Well, right here in the greeting, Peter is laying a foundation of the gospel. At the end of the book, Peter tells us in chapter 5, verse 12, that he, he has wrote all these things to encourage them through the gospel. And he begins the book the same way he ends it, with a message of the gospel. Right here in these first three verses, Peter lays out a treasure trove of gospel riches. Notice the, the Trinitarian shape of the gospel here in verse 2. Peter mentions the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Father purposes the saving work. The Son accomplishes the work by His blood, and the Spirit uh, applies the work to us, the sinners. The first way that I believe we can see that the gospel never fails is the gospel will never, never fail in providing grace and peace to you. We see this in verse 2. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. God does not give a mild grace and peace. No, the gospel that never fails is a gospel full of grace and peace that is multiplied, that is never ending, that is provided in abundance. And what that means is that there is no chance at all that his grace and his mercy and peace will ever run out on you. Your sin may be great, but praise God, God's grace is greater than all of our sins. And there is nothing that you can ever do to make God love you any less, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. God's love for us is perfect and complete, and his grace and peace gives us is multiplied over and over again. You may have, have run out of grace and peace for yourself, but praise God, the gospel tells us that his grace and peace will never run out of you because it is multiplied. And this grace and peace, and not only that, there is great mercy, Peter tells us in, in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born to a living hope. Everything that God does is on a grand scale, 
right? Peter didn't say it, just according to his, his mercy. No, it's his great mercy. All of the attributes of God are, 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 are huge, are, are humongous, are big. It, it, this is a God-like mercy. It's infinite and great mercy, a mercy so great that it will never, ever fail you. And Peter encourages here in verse 4 to, to hope in God, knowing that our souls are infinitely secure, and that leads to the second way that the gospel never fails. The gospel will never fail in securing your salvation. He says in verse 4, it's an inheritance that is imperishable. And this inheritance includes our rewards for faithfulness and fidelity to King Jesus and his kingdom. And Peter says our salvation, the rewards that come with, are being secured and kept in heaven for you and for me. So it's not going to fail. I don't know if you've ever made like a reservation to a place, uh, maybe a restaurant or a business, and, and you show up and they're saying, I'm so sorry, we're not able to honor your reservation. Sorry about that. Uh, that's not what, what Peter's saying. Peter said, no, it's, it's never going to fail. It's being kept and secured for you. Um, several years ago uh, for my birthday, my wife, <clears throat> Michelle, wanted to surprise me, uh, which is hard to do, but uh, she wanted to surprise me by renting a Corvette for the day for me to drive, which, you know, it's my dream car, love cars. Maybe one day I'll get one. Right now I just have a Hot Wheels. But um, <clears throat> so we showed up to the Fort Myers Airport uh, where we were going to rent this car from, and we get to the counter and uh, they say, oh, "I'm so sorry, sir. Um, the customer who had the Corvette decided to keep it an extra day." I'm like, "Yeah, why would you not?" Okay, I get that. Um, but they said, well, "But we do have a Camaro for you." It's like, "Nope, not the same. Not the same." Uh, friends, we do not have to fear about God not honoring our faithfulness to him, that reservation that is made when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Peter tells us we can rest assured knowing that when we stand before God one day, he's not going to say, oh, I'm so uh, sorry, I, I, can't, I can't fulfill that, 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 that reservation. No. The gospel never fails our salvation is secured. And he tells us in verse 5, if, if, we, if we are truly born again, we're not going anywhere. The gospel is not going to fail you because, uh, not because of your power to hold on to God, but because of God has an omnipotent grip on you. Do you see in verse, in verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed. It's by God's strength, it's by God's power. He is the one that is holding on to us. We are not holding on to him. Aren't you thankful for that? Because we are not capable. If it were left up to our own strength, we would fail every single time. But Peter tells us that the gospel will never fail us because it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself who is holding on to us. And this gospel of grace that Peter exalts here is the fulfillment of the prophetic hope that we find all throughout the Old Testament. The third way that the gospel will never fail us is the gospel will never fail and being worth your time to study it. I remember being in school and there were subjects that maybe I was good at. I was like, I don't feel like I need to study for that or especially subjects that I didn't like, I didn't care for. Like I'm definitely, that is not worth my time. In college, I was like, why are we taking this class? This has nothing to do with my major. It's not worth my time to study it. And I think sometimes we treat the gospel that same way. I know enough about the gospel. I don't need more of it. No, the gospel is worth our time to continue to study it more and more. Peter mentions here in verses 10 through 12 that the prophets of long ago carefully investigated 
and study this gospel that was to come. Consider this for a moment. These men, intelligent and bright as they were, Peter says they devoted their time to studying this gospel. Why would Old Testament prophets study this? The gospel is not a new idea. The whole Bible, including the Old Testament, is the unfolding story of God's redemption for human sinners. A redemption that Peter tells us here, even the angels of heaven marvel to behold. In verse 12, it says, things into which angels long to look, or some of your translations may say, long to get a glimpse of. Peter tells us that the angels are curious about matters of grace and the gospel. Think, think about this for a second. Salvation in Christ is so great and the blessing so tremendous that angels long to catch a glimpse of understanding more about these things. The gospel excites them so much that they want to study it intently. And Peter says they long for these things. They long to look at it. What things are they longing to catch a glimpse of? Well, Peter tells us here in verses 3 through 12, really, I know in our English Bibles we see kind of periods and punctuations, but in the Greek language, this is one continuous thought. Peter's really expounding upon these things of which the gospel, which the angels long to catch a glimpse of. What, what are these things? Well, look through this passage. Great mercy, a new birth, salvation, gospel, inexpressible and glorious joy, a living hope, undefiled, unfading inheritance. And Peter says the angels have an interest in the gospel. The angels want to study it more. Not for themselves, though. The angels have never sinned. And consequently, they need no atonement. They need no forgiveness. Uh, it, the, the gospel brings salvation, healing, pardon, justification, cleansing, all things that the angels do not need. So why are they interested in this never-failing gospel? Well, angels take a deep interest in the gospel because they observe God's interest in it. If it's a big deal to God, it's a big deal to the angels, and it should be a big deal to us to continue to study and long for more and more understanding. Jesus told us himself that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Why? The angels stand in God's presence and they can see that God is glad and so they share in that gladness. They've studied and they've observed the gospel for a very long time and yet Peter says they still long to catch a glimpse of it, meaning that they still have not gotten over the gospel. And I pray that you and I as believers in Christ, we would never get over the gospel. We would never be just content with saying, I have enough knowledge of the Bible and the gospel. No, no, no. That we would long for more and more of this understanding, that we would yearn for it. We would want to see and testify and and tell of, of God's greatness and learning more about this gospel. My son, um, Jackson, over there, he, uh, he loves animals, right, buddy? Love animals. He, he, he's had many different favorite things, different toys and shows, but the one constant in his life has been animals. We have two humongous, like, containers of little figurine animals. His birthday's coming up, and if you were to buy him a gift, if you give him an animal gift, you would not fail. Uh, he would love that, right? He, we want to watch shows about it. He wants to, to check out books from the libraries about, about books. He loves them so much. We went to Disney World a couple weeks ago. He saved up all of his Christmas money. You know what he wanted to buy? 
animal stuffies everywhere he went. He has a collection of animals. He's never gotten over animals. He loves them so much. He wants to learn more about them. And I pray that we would have that same childlike spirit, that we will never get over the gospel, that, that we'll never be satisfied with just having enough knowledge. We will continue to devote ourselves to intently studying and to catch a glimpse of the gospel. We want more and more, and we too will long for a glimpse of these things of which Peter writes about. Charles Spurgeon said a long time ago when he preached this passage, he said, you and I have only seen the sparkle on the surface of the crimson sea of redemption. We cannot understand the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of the sufferings and the death of Jesus Christ our Lord. So let us still desire to look into it as the angels do. Church, there is no greater topic to study the cause to give towards and mission to live for than that of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your time will never be wasted in studying more and more about the gospel. You see, my concern is that too many people in the church today view the gospel as just something that uh, for salvation in the work of evangelism. Yes, the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ is vitally important discussions for lost people and understanding their sin and their need for a savior. But those who belong to Jesus Christ still need the cross. We still need to hear about the blood that was shed for our sin. We still need to talk about the empty grave. The gospel isn't just for sharing with lost people. And Easter isn't just a holiday that we celebrate once a year. Christians all over the world still need to remember that God loved them so much that he made a way for us to have a relationship with him. Christians still need to, be, you need to remember that Jesus didn't just stay dead. See, the gospel doesn't just end with Jesus on a cross. The gospel is what gives us the living hope when we see him, that he was raised to life, that he conquered death and sin, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father today. And what purpose does that have for us? What does that mean? Well, listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then Paul writes his beautiful words. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or all these things, anything else in creation will ever be able to separate from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We need to be reminded of that truth every single day. We need to build our lives on the truth of the gospel. And as you continue to learn and study more of God's word, you will be building your life on a firm foundation and you will not be shaken because the gospel never fails. You will never regret spending time in God's word. I've never heard anyone say, I just feel like I read my Bible for too long. I just feel like I, I, just, feel like I just heard too much about the gospel changing people's lives. 
No, no, no. You will never regret it. It will never fail you. Fourth, the gospel will never fail in giving you hope. In verse 13, the imperative uh, verb in the Greek is hope. And the word indicates a joyful expectancy to hope to the end. To hope perfectly means to hope strongly, unwaverly, and wholeheartedly. So Peter says, set your hope completely on the grace. Set your hope completely on the gospel because the gospel will never fail. We can set our hope completely on Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Peter doesn't say, hey, set some of your hope on this grace. Peter doesn't say, hey, set what you're comfortable with on this grace. No, he says, set your hope fully or completely on the gospel. And maybe for some of you, that's, that's hard to do. T too many people in your life have failed you and caused you to have trust issues and, and feel like I, I can't fully place my hope on you. I, I can't fully trust this gospel. All it takes is, is, is one time of someone breaking your trust to cause you to not completely hope again. If you've ever broken a chair, you know what that feels like. You ever sat in one of those camping chairs and it just collapsed on you? <clears throat> Happened to me once. I'm pretty sure the chair was already broke and I just kind of helped it break all the way. But once you've hit the floor, man, that, that gives you some trust issues with sitting in a chair again. Peter says we're to hope completely. And kind of what that looks like is this for us. <clears throat> hope completely. What I do after, after that moment is if I sit in a chair that kind of looks questionable, I'll keep one foot on a sure foundation and the other side of me kind of resting here until I feel like it's, it's going to hold me. P Peter doesn't say this is the posture we need to have. Peter says we need to hope completely. And what hoping completely looks like is putting completely all of your weight. And I'm so glad this chair held me up. <laughs> We're to hope completely in the gospel. It, it's not... Okay, the gospel and my good works. It's not the gospel in my church attendance and my tithing and my giving and my, my doing good things that I'm hoping in. No. Jesus plus something equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing is everything. Romans 10.9 says, if you declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And it's easy for us to say, uh, I believe this chair is going to hold me. I, I declare that it will hold me. I, I believe it. It's easy to say that while we're standing next to it. How do we know if we truly believe it? Not this, but this completely. J.D. Greer says salvation is a posture, a posture of completely depending upon the Lord. You want to know if you feel like you're not saved? What's your posture look like? Are you completely depending upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the finished work that he accomplished for you on the cross? Or are you holding on to something else? Do you feel like your sin is too great that, that God can't completely save you from that? No. Trust in Jesus completely. Trust in him completely. The gospel will never fail. And the gospel will never fail in giving you hope. Finally, the gospel will never fail in enduring until the end. 
Peter quotes here in verses 21 through 23, or 24 through 25 here, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Peter is quoting from the Old Testament. He's already mentioned the Old Testament prophets who prophesied about these things, about this gospel. And so he takes that and he says, and this word is the good news. Peter says, and this word that has been quoted from the Old Testament times, this word is the gospel that has been preached to you, and it will never fail in enduring until the end. Peter says, the word, the gospel will remain forever. The gospel of grace is not a passing fad. It's not trendy. It's not temporary. It is the abiding hope of all humanity for all of time. The gospel has no expiration date. It will endure forever and it will never lose its power. It's the old song written by Andre Crouch says, it, it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day will never lose its power. It soothes my doubts and calms my fears and it dries all of my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day will never lose its power. The gospel will never fail. Do you need grace and peace in your life? The gospel will never fail in providing grace and peace to you. Maybe you've given up on yourself. Christ has not forgiven up on you. His grace and peace is multiplied to you. Do you need assurance of your salvation? You're not sure if you are saved? What does your posture look like? Are you afraid to hope in Christ? The gospel will never fail in securing your salvation. Do you need to spend more time studying God's word? Have you spent too much time in other things and places and people? The gospel will never fail in being worth your time to study it. Do you need hope? The gospel will never fail in giving you hope. Do you need something to cling to for all of life? Have you just reached your end and you feel like everything around you is just shaken and everything around you is not constant? The gospel will endure until the end. No matter what seasons of life you find yourself in, the gospel is what we cling to and we hope on because it will never fail us. We're gonna have a, a time of response in just a minute. And what I wanna encourage you once again is to remember the gospel. We all have things in our life that we turn to for hope for peace and for love, and the, but those things will fail us. You'll always need more bacon. Your coffee cup will be empty. But Jesus will never fail you. His love and his mercy and his grace will never run out on you. Yes, you'll, you'll want more and more of him, but not because it's empty, but because you have tasted and have seen of his goodness and you'll want nothing else. And during this time of response, I wanna challenge you with, with two things to consider. Scripture is clear that his word will not return void. And what I wanna challenge you is, what is God saying to me? What is God saying to you right now? And two, what do I need to do about it? That's it. Maybe God is saying to you, stop running away. 
trust me, know that my grace is sufficient for you. Maybe it's time for you to hope completely on Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior this morning. Maybe God is saying to you to follow him in obedience. Maybe God is calling you to do something. If God's calling you to do something, you will not fail. He will see you through. Maybe he's calling you to baptism or to join this church. Maybe God is saying to you to to confess and repent of sin in your life or to forgive someone. When, When we understand and we look at the gospel, we see these things, we, we see forgiveness. And the gospel tells us that you and I, we will never have to forgive someone more than what Christ has forgiven us, a multitude, a lifetime of sin. So maybe you need to forgive someone. Whatever it is, will you be obedient to what the Lord is leading you to do? Will you let him have your way in your life this morning? If you're watching online and you want to respond this morning, you can text the word today to 270-398-5005 and we will contact you. For you in this room, the altar is open, your seat is open. If you want to pray, whatever the Lord is leading you to do, will you be obedient? What is God speaking me? What do I need to do about it? Would you stand and pray? Father, we, we thank you for the gospel. God, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. God, I don't know where everyone's at in this room. I don't know what you are speaking to them this morning. But Father, I pray that we will all be obedient to what you've called us to do. God, whether that's to to place all of our hope on you, Father, for the one who needs salvation this morning. They've been trying to be a good enough person to earn their salvation. God, this morning, they see that's not about what they can do, but about what's been done for them. God, when you sent Jesus to the cross for us, God, I pray that person this morning, that they would say yes to you this morning. God, for the one who, God, they've given up on themselves and they feel like they're unworthy of your love. God, would you remind them of grace and peace that is multiplied unto them. Father, for those who find themselves and just just lost in this world, feeling with there's no hope, that nothing will help. God, would you remind them that the gospel will never fail them? That we can come to you with all of our brokenness. God, we can come to you with our doubts. We can come to you with our shame. And God, you will never reject us. God, you welcome us to come as we are. God, thank you that it's not about what, what we can pay. It's about The fact that you, Father, loved us, that Jesus came and he paid it all for us. And so all to him we owe. We surrender all of our lives to you. We say, God, take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Father, may your people be obedient as we respond. Jimmy, pray. Amen.